Welcome to Conversations with the Best Minds in Real Estate, a podcast hosted by RCL Code, the show that brings you illuminating interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders throughout all corners of the real estate sector. Each episode will feature different masters in real estate, revealing challenging lessons they've learned, their secrets to success, and opinions regarding the state of the market. Hello, this is Joshua Bourne, Managing Director of Strategic Initiatives at RCLCO Real Estate Consulting. If you're a regular listener to our podcast, then you know that since 1967, RCLCO has been the first call for real estate developers, investors, the public sector, and non-real estate companies seeking strategic and tactical advice regarding property investment, planning, and development. Welcome to the latest episode of Conversations with the Best Minds in Real Estate. Today, I'm talking to Ellen Klassen, Managing Director at RCLCO. Normally, this is the part of the intro where I would spend a couple minutes providing our audience with a summary of the firm our guest is representing. But today's episode is a little bit unique and that Ellen is now, once again, a colleague of ours here at RCLCO. And I say once again, because just like me, this is actually her second stint with RCLCO, albeit this time in a very different role and a different capacity. Knowing that, we'll have plenty to discuss as it relates to Ellen's background and her career story. But instead of that normal firm intro, I'll first give her a chance just to say hello and share a quick summary of what she's focusing on now and bringing to it as, as an offering at RCLCO. So Ellen, welcome. Thank you, Josh. I am thrilled to be here. Um, and I'm really excited to be back at RCL Co. after 16 years away from the firm doing other things in real estate. But I've come back to RCL Co. to launch an executive search business. So I'm working with real estate developers, owners, operators, and investors to find leadership talent who will help their organizations reach their goals. So I'm placing C-suite team members and department or regional heads at firms across the country. And I made the shift professionally in a recruiting about five years ago. And I'm thrilled to bring that experience paired with my real estate consulting experience back to RCLCO. And um, executive search is part of our firm's management consulting practice. So the consulting team's doing work for clients that's like strategic planning, succession planning, organizational restructuring geographic expansion, you know, the addition of new verticals within a company. And so taking their work to the next step by actually finding the people to lead those new initiatives or geographies or to replace retired executives really provides our clients with the full scope of advisory services. Yeah, it's great. And it's excellent that RCLCO can now take on the implementation piece and the tactical piece of a lot of our management consulting. So we're so glad to have you back, Alan, and add executive search services to the RCLCO arsenal. It's really is a perfect extension of our management consulting platform. And thank you again for joining us as one of the best minds in real estate, our formal tagline for the show. So let's get into the fun stuff. Maybe take a big step back. You shared a little bit about what you're doing now, but let's start from the beginning. Just tell us about your personal and professional story. Let's, let's, where did it all start? <laughs> well, it, it all started in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, which is where I was born and raised and educated. So I went to Emory for my undergraduate work and then got my master's in urban planning at Georgia Tech. And when I graduated Georgia Tech, I joined RCLCO and uh, I did market analysis for developers and municipalities, primarily in the Southeast, and loved every second of it. I just loved getting to dig in and understand these clients really well and understand these 
properties and geographies as though I was a local. Um, and, you know, I think that rigor and curiosity that our Sielco people have was really just captivating to me. So I left to join Central Atlanta Progress, which is like an 80, 85 year old organization that focuses on the economic vitality of downtown Atlanta. And I was very passionate about downtown and had interned there in grad school. And so I went there to lead economic development efforts. And right at the time, Mayor Shirley Franklin of Atlanta had just purchased for the city's behalf uh, the Martin Luther King Jr. papers, which were at auction at Sotheby's. And it was a big deal to bring those papers back to the city instead of having them go into some private person's hands. And she wanted to build a museum around these papers and knew it would be in downtown Atlanta and came to Central Atlanta Progress and said, hey, this is an economic development project. You lead this and uh, figure it out. And so for the next five years, I led essentially the project management of what became the National Center for Civil and Human Rights, which opened in 2014. So I worked with civil rights leaders who, um, stories we needed to tell. I worked with designers and I worked to figure out where the museum should go. I worked to do an an international architectural competition to find uh, the architect, which we ended up choosing the Freelon Group, and then helped with getting new market tax credits to help fund the project. So it was incredibly rewarding. I made amazing relationships with people I had long admired and um, read about in, in history books. And that was just really great. As someone who spends a lot of time with leadership, it seems like that's that's one of those examples of a, a work opportunity where, I mean, the people you're around, the leadership that you're able to draw from, I mean, not just the people you're working with, but sort of those civic leaders historically must have been, as you said, incredibly rewarding and, and very satisfying and, and ultimately yeah. probably went on to form some of what got you into what you're doing today. It was, it was great to get to know these individuals as real people. Um, I would sometimes go to have a drink with them or they would tell me jokes and meeting their families and, and all of that. And it was, it definitely made me see how you can be a leader in a different light and um, still be a human being. So, um, so that was great. And I ultimately left CAP because we were in the middle of a recession and just activity was slowing down in downtown. And uh, I went with a former RCL coer to launch a market analysis practice within Cone Resnick. And so I did that for a few years and it was a lot of fun, worked on some incredibly cool projects, including in North Dakota on the oil fields, trying to figure out for a hotel owner how long the oil boom was gonna last. And ultimately I left there to finally leave Atlanta, which was a very hard decision. Um, but I had been doing a lot of volunteer work for the Urban Land Institute throughout my career. And a job had just opened at their headquarters in Washington, DC 
for somebody to lead all of their leadership programs throughout the organization. And having done a lot of leadership work with the organization, I realized I could get paid to do this and I could finally open up uh, my opportunities by trying to live in another city. So I came up here and um, worked at ULI for three years, and it was a lot of fun. I led the Women's Leadership Initiative. I started ULI's very first podcast, Leading Voices, and um, led some other great leadership programs. So through the podcast, uh, the host of our podcast is Matt Slepin, and uh, we formed a great relationship. And I ended up joining his firm, Terra Search Partners, to be a real estate recruiter. And, um, you know, at this point, I've fully left the quantitative side of the business to move to the human capital side. And um, I think joining or becoming a recruiter was never something I had set out to do. But once I got there, I realized this was my place. I finally was able to match you know, the consulting side of my brain and with, you know, the people side and, you know, really the sociological side, which is what I studied in undergrad. So it was a perfect fit. I love hearing that. I think you're a great example of what I see from a lot of folks that work at RCLCO and start in one space and get this unique background, crazy stories like working in oil fields. And then, you know, your work through ULI and ultimately not necessarily a, a linear path, but, um, a direction that ultimately got you to where you feel most comfortable. And, and I know you're still very active in ULI, for instance. And, and in fact, Leading Voices was one of the inspirations initially for the RCLCO podcast. But I also think it speaks to something important in our industry, which is about getting others to share their perspective, having unique and differing leadership represented in the room. Uh, I think one of the most difficult things in our industry, in the real estate industry, has been that lack of representation. I think your leadership at WLI is important as it relates to that. Have you seen any change for the better or, or what can we continue to do? And what have you seen to improve female leadership and, and people like yourselves continuing to make it in, in what has been a historically male dominated industry? I think we've made a lot of strides. Um, so, you know, as you said, I'm, I'm chairing the Women's Leadership Initiative for ULI and uh, it's our 10th anniversary this year. And over these last 10 years, we've more than doubled the number of female members in ULI worldwide. And I mean, I think that's just huge. We still lack, you know, great diversity within our industry and that's in all aspects, but I think we are making a lot of strides. And I think a lot of it has to come from a real concerted effort and it's not, something that you can just hope, oh, generationally, we'll have um, a more diverse workplace in 20 years. I, you know, it's it's something that needs to be uh, deliberate. And I think through the work of the Women's Leadership Initiative and other diversity initiatives, um, we are attracting more people into the industry. But it, like you said, we need to hear their voices. And I think through podcasts like this um, and through leading voices and, you know, in other speaking engagements to just elevate those voices so people can see, oh, there's folks like who look like me and who come from where I come from. In this industry, I can do this too. Yeah, I fully agree with you. And I'm, I'm curious, I mean, knowing we need more leaders like you and what, what attracted you to real estate in the first place? And then, I mean, maybe after hearing that, what can we do to encourage that further amongst others to continue this, this growth that you've just mentioned that we've seen? 
Um, I think I really owe it all to my family. My parents are both New Yorkers. And so growing up, we just went to cities um, for vacations. We weren't like the beach or Disney World types of families. And so I was always on the ground exploring cities and it made me start drawing out maps of my own make-believe cities and thinking about where I wanted to put the public uses versus the residential uses. And when I got to grad school, which by the way was, you know, once I found out that city planning was like a topic, I had no idea that that was like a thing. I got very excited. And, and so in planning school, at orientation day, everyone went around the room and literally every single person was talking about their make-believe cities that they had growing up. And I realized, ah, this is, this is where I belong. I think you and others, I mean, we all grew up, we're, we're from a generation, I think, where we, we all played SimCity and we spent time, whether it was either hand-drawing maps or playing on computers and, and literally building those out. And uh, it's amazing to see what the translation has been from that aspect as a child to now actually being able to do that at a place like RCL Code to then influencing the leaders in the world of real estate, which you're doing now on the executive search side. You mentioned briefly also your family in that last answer. I know that's something very important to you and, and we'll get into all the work stuff here in a moment, but just tell me a little bit about your personal side of your life as well. You've mentioned a few things about college and family, but um, anything else you could add just so our viewers have a little bit more background about you? Sure. Well, I think one of the other like integral pieces of um, figuring out what I wanted to do was with all of this family who was all up in the Northeast, there were a lot of stereotypes about the South that they had. And I would spend every opportunity I had when my family came to visit in Atlanta to show them all the cool neighborhoods, to take them to all the cultural institutions, to the best restaurants. And I, I mean, I was doing this starting in middle school. And as my uncle would say, I really changed his mind. And I think that became somewhat of a mission of mine, particularly around downtown Atlanta over the years. And that's why I loved my job at Central Atlanta Progress so much was um, downtown was like the underdog of the Atlanta region and how do you get people to see the value and the history and um, so I've loved like having that effort of trying to change minds. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm from outside Detroit originally, which I think everybody who knows me here is because like you, I feel like it's there's an underdog story and you're constantly trying to prove to people that the city has this incredible grit and value and worth that if you come to visit is different than maybe what you hear in the media. Uh, and I, I think you did the same for, for Atlanta. In fact, I know um, maybe I'm a little bit too much personal information here, but I think one of your fun nicknames growing up, if I recall, was A.T. Ellen uh, instead of just Ellen, which uh, you know really shows how much and how big of an advocate you were for for downtown Atlanta and for the city itself. And I think that resonated, obviously, in the work you you ended up doing with with the civil rights groups and whatnot there, which is a pretty incredible story. And and you know maybe that's a good segue to pivot a little bit more about the work that you loved. Uh, maybe not as much as your family, but I know you love your work, which is now, as you said, you've kind of found your your home in what has been executive search. Can you just, you know, maybe just for, for those of us who haven't gone through that process or are a little unfamiliar with what that looks like, just share what a typical search project looks like, maybe. Yeah. Um, so searches can take all different forms. I've done a lot of 
searches where, you know, somebody's retiring and you need to replace that person. I've done a lot of work with family owned companies where, you know, you're moving from generations of leaders and maybe the final family member is leaving the firm. And for the first time ever, they have to have somebody from the outside come in to help lead the company. And then I've done a bunch of, you know, expansion types of searches where, a company wants to enter a new market and needs boots on the ground to find development sites and get them entitled and built. Um, so I work closely with clients to really understand, you know, all the details about their company. I need to be like the marketing person essentially for what the opportunity is. So understanding their portfolio, how they're capitalized, uh, who the team members are, where the strengths and weaknesses lie, what gaps they have and what their goals are, and then really craft a job description to help sell the opportunity and, um, and then start talking to people in the market. And to me, and this is why I think I love search so much, it, it's kind of like being an investigator and you're starting at the beginning of a search with like this wide pool of people and trying to narrow in closer and closer to that bingo person. And, um, you know, I think the challenge is not just who I may think the bingo is, but who the client will think the bingo is based on all the factors I mentioned before and how this person can really fit in. So, um, the rush that I get when I talk to that bingo person and you just kind of know, like, oh, I know exactly how this whole process is going to go. And, um, and it's, it's just, it's pretty fabulous. So, you know, I do a lot of really in-depth interviews and try to get to know people, not just from the things that are on their resume, but who they are holistically as a person. And I think that matters. Like you were saying, Josh, about, being from Detroit and being such a supporter, that has influenced how you work and, you know, what motivates you to do better at your job and to care about the things that you care about. And so, you know, I'm, I'm digging into like, what did, what did these people's parents do when they were kids? And, you know, what were the weird hobbies, like making up make-believe cities and that stuff matters. So, you know, I think that the, um, my real estate background has helped me be more analytical about how a candidate would really perform at a company. Just, you know, I know the questions to ask and I, I just have a really good intuition um, of understanding how the skills and the cultural aspects will play out. Well, that doesn't surprise me given your background and, and knowing what you've done in the real estate world, but also how you are and just as a people person, which, you know, you and I have obviously bonded over, which is great. I think it is pretty mesmerizing to understand now that I've spent some time with you and kind of learning the executive search offerings and how that works, how much time you have to place into both sides of that equation, right? Understanding the business and the candidates piece, as opposed to just, and this is what I think I appreciate most about your answer just now, knowing that you just don't view people as sort of a, you know, a description on paper. I think it's very hard to, to take a look at a resume and get a sense for who somebody is. And so learning about their background, their upbringing, the things that make them who they are, what, what kind of drives them uh, is really important. And I think part of it is it probably resonates with you because that's a lot of what you've done and you've shared, as you mentioned this, over your years. So um, I, think, I think it's great to see that come to fruition. 
with with as much effort that goes into both sides of that equation, both on the company search side and the candidate side, I mean, how do you prioritize your time and how do you be selective or pick which projects to pursue? As I imagine, you could find plenty or stay stay as busy as possible if you wanted to. Yeah, that's a great question. I you know, I really want to be the partner to a client. I want to really help them problem solve. And it's not just a matter of like putting butts in seats, which, you know, some recruiters are really good at doing that. But just like RCL Co, this is, I'm an advisor and I want to truly help. So the clients who are not just looking to, you know, get another asset manager because their last one quit two weeks ago and thinking of when the client thinks of the role more as a commodity, that's probably not the kind of search that I'm looking to, to fill. I think that's why you probably fit so well at RCLCO. I think there's a lot of groups that can check a box when you're doing these types of services. And for us, it's more about adding value and moving things forward, providing actionable guidance. It's that advisor role you mentioned, right? Um, and what, you know, the world's changed a lot too. I mean, what factors have you seen change in your business career over the last 10 years as it relates to executive recruiting? And, and how have you seen those changes really affect the business in the future, which obviously, you know, plays into what you're going to be doing and what you're offering at RCLCO now? Well, I think most people know that we are in a crazy competitive hiring environment right now. And, um, you know, I think once COVID started slowly lifting toward the end of 2020, people started making job changes um, at a rapid pace and more substantially than we've seen in recent memory. So, um, you know, recruiters right now are incredibly busy and that's great. And uh, candidates are having their choice of jobs and which is, you know, good for the candidate, difficult for the company. And uh, this is all playing out in the real estate industry as well as everything else. But, you know, we're seeing much, much many, um, sorry, we are seeing bolder candidates that are having no qualms with, you know, asking for, you know, higher salaries, higher titles, equity in companies, um, you know, before you would normally think any of those things would be available to them. And so it's a lot of playing this whole game of really finding perfect people, being able to afford to bring them on and thinking about like the ripple effects within your existing company right now, if you're paying somebody more than you would typically pay in the past what are the equity issues there with all the other team members? So it's been a tricky hiring environment. And um, I think that will continue for a while. A lot of people are talking about not just the great resignation, but the sustained re resignation. And I think with um, the ability to be hybrid and or working from home, that the opportunities of where a candidate may work have just widened. And so people will continue probably leaving their jobs over the next few years because they have more choice. So we're going to keep seeing this for a while. Yeah, it's really good insight as to what's changing in the industry and how you're reacting. And maybe 
you know, why bringing your expertise and services to RCLCO at this time made sense, in particular, given everything we're doing related to management consulting, where I really see you and the executive search function as an extension and area of growth for our business there. But in your own words and from your perspective, what what was it that made returning to RCLCO so attractive for you? I just love the culture at RCLCO. And I'm surprised but not surprised that it's the exact same as when I left. <laughs> and you know, that that's just such a relief to me because that that was exactly what I wanted. The people at RCLCO are the smartest people I've ever encountered in the industry. And I just love being in an environment that's inquisitive, uh, where everybody is just intellectually curious and um, constantly asking why. So, you know, I think that's, I've always had that approach to my work since, you know, getting my foundation at RCL Co. So it's, it's been great. And um, then yeah, the number of people from RCL Co. from 18 years ago that I still have very close relations with are, um, I can't even count. Uh, it's probably almost the entire office where I worked is are still friends of mine. So it's been very important in my life. Yeah, I think it's funny how similar some of our path is that way. I, this is my second stint with RCLCO as well. And part of what brought me back are the people and the culture in particular and working with such smart individuals. Although I think it's much higher praise coming from you as somebody who deals with leadership and engaging with senior leadership across the real estate industry every day and really has a a, a great perspective of how we may shake up or compare. And And I know you obviously have made some tough decisions. Leadership is about making tough decisions in life and you deal with these leaders all day. Curious, what's been one of the more difficult decisions you've had to make career-wise? And, and if you knew what you knew then, what would, would you have done anything differently? I would say um, leaving Atlanta was the hardest thing that I have ever done with my career and my life. I had established such foundation there and knew the players was incredibly involved in the real estate industry and civic world um the political world and you know in some ways i think i was a little burned out with all of my involvement but you know i think so to, to leave all of that behind was very scary but also very exciting so, um, you know, it, it all worked out. I'm glad I got here and met my husband right after I moved here. Oh, that's incredible. And it's, it's amazing how timing works out that way and how, you know, you can be in one city forever, take that leap of faith, which is obviously incredibly tough, go somewhere else. And then small world, six months later, you, you meet what ends up shaping the rest of your life going forward. Right. And, and obviously for us at RCLCO, having you back in DC allowed us to bring you back into the fold, which is great. And, you know, obviously it's all worked out, which is excellent. And, you know, I'd be curious, you obviously, again, deal with a lot of leadership. You're giving a lot of guidance, uh, both to clients as well as candidates, but what resources would you recommend to someone who's trying to gain insight into the real estate industry, trying to become a better leader or doing what you did and literally jumping to a new city after a long time in one place and trying to make themselves feel whole there? I can't say enough good things about the Urban Land Institute. And I think that that has, you know, just played such a major role in my life. Um, you know, of course, it's a great source for real estate content and best practices, but it's also given me so many leadership experiences throughout my career. 
when I was, um, you know, young into my career, I joined the Young Leaders Group and ended up chairing it in Atlanta for a couple of years. And just through like involvement like that in a committee and leadership, you get to be on the board. And so suddenly I found myself monthly having to make presentations in front of ULI Atlanta's board, which included a lot of my clients um, and you know the top people in real estate. And I had to hone my public speaking skills and my relationship skills. And um, it was so advantageous for me. And literally every job I've gotten throughout my career came through relationships at ULI. And, you know, I can't say enough about all of that experience. You know, I think ULI is an investment from a member standpoint, and I definitely give a lot of my time to it, but the investment pays off. And so I think if people are looking for ways to broaden their network and or think about other aspects of the industry that maybe they'd like to try, ULI is really the best place to start putting those pieces together. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like my guidance to younger professionals who are looking to get involved and, and eventually become leaders is, is so similar. It's literally just half the battle showing up, right? And then committing the time and staying involved. And when you do that, good things happen. You learn all these different skill sets and you kind of eventually build a path for yourself and, and, and get ingrained in that culture, which, as you said, especially with something like ULI, really, you know, is really involved in our industry and allows for sort of a, an expansion or, or a growth of that network. But maybe given or pivoting slightly, because that's maybe good advice for new folks or people who are growing, you deal with a lot of senior level executive searches and senior level leaders already. What advice would you give to those that have already been in leadership roles for a long time, especially with all the changes we just talked about and things happening in the industry? How do you, how do you, how do you get people to, to adjust or change their mindsets to, to stay good leaders or to be good leaders for the future? Senior leaders really need to be listening to their team, and that's the key. Um, you know, so much of problem solving can come from talking to the people on the ground um, in the junior positions and understanding where the, a lot of the real work is getting done and um, then being able to take that up to the strategic level. And so uh, when, when we are helping with onboarding new placements, that's always, you know, the first step is have that listening tour around the company and understand what the company has struggled with and where the opportunities are and uh, start reacting from there. That's excellent guidance. And, and hopefully our leaders will take that to heart and, and, and understand, because I think listening is something that myself as well as somebody who's focused on business development and client management, I always say, if I get one hour with somebody, I want to spend the first 50 minutes hearing them before talking about what we do or how we can help, because really it's about understanding what they need. And I think that works the other way as well with, with their staff, as an example. Um, so you've, you've obviously shared a lot about what you're doing, how you're engaging with these different leaders and whatnot, but what are you asking yourself lately? What's, what's, what's top of mind for you as you start thinking about your business growth, how you're going to be bringing these services to RCL Co and where we're going with executive search moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the pandemic has just been this thing looming over all of us over the last two years, and it's hard to forget its existence, even as we're moving out of the pandemic. You know, I, I think a lot about the work from home trend and how much that's really 
taken off and uh, been embraced, I think, by a lot of companies. And so um, I think, you know, having what, what I'm seeing with real estate companies is they're taking a hybrid approach and uh, most companies are having people in three days a week, four days a week. Um, but, you know, how particularly I'm really curious, like, how does that work for the people who maybe don't go in as much? And do we start seeing like an A team and a B team at companies of the really ambitious people or the people who, you know, don't have things precluding them from being in the office, uh, being there all the time and they're getting the visibility with senior leadership and uh, that helps them get promoted. And uh, where does that leave the other folks that, you know, maybe they're single parents who really can't be in the office five days a week or even three days a week. And so there's a lot of equity issues around that topic. And while, you know, I like to see this flexibility continue, it can have ripple effects that can become negative. So we have to think about that. Does that change what you're looking for in candidates or do you think it changes the way you need to guide companies in thinking about candidates and how they need to be responsive to what's happening currently? I think it's more the latter. You know, I mean, obviously you need candidates who are, you know, very open-minded and willing to really hear the needs of their teams. But I think it's, you know, it's a lot on the company for really creating the right culture and the right principles to ensure that their teams are treated properly. I think, um, and I'm hoping our our viewers are taking notes on this. I think this has been been one of our more informative and valuable podcasts in terms of the way we can all personally grow and and help our firms grow. But, uh, and as we run out of time here a little bit, I want to pivot to a couple more lighthearted questions maybe. So the first one I'll give you is you've obviously been an advocate for cities growing up, as you mentioned, and it's a big piece of what you, uh, what you've talked about in your map drawing, any favorite cities other than Atlanta that you want to give, give shout out to or places you've really enjoyed visiting? Sure. I'll give two. I've always loved Asheville, North Carolina. We've been going there since I was a little kid. Uh, it's really, you know, I think people finally also found Asheville in the last five to 10 years. And so the last few times I've been there, it kind of felt like tourist traps a little bit. So it's like, be careful what you wish for with some of these small towns that need attention. Um, I also love Troy, New York. I did some market analysis work there a couple times and it's a town on the Hudson River where Rensselaer Polytechnic is and um, just so much history and beautiful scenery. And it's been going through a renaissance as well. Another thing I recognize about these cities you mentioned, they all have incredible architecture. We could probably spend a whole nother, uh, whole nother podcast just talking about where design and architecture factors into city and placemaking. And, and if we see an uptick, yeah, and if we <laughs> see uptick in travel to those locations, we'll know our, our viewers are paying attention here. So maybe uh, one last question before I let you go here. I mean, obviously you deal with a lot of people, a lot of different people and personalities. Any great stories, funny stories, or just interesting anecdotes from the executive search world of yours that uh, that are worth sharing and are allowed to be shared with our guests? 
I just, I don't know. I continue to be inspired by the people I talk to. I get to know my candidates so well. I'm hearing about, um, you know, being raised by a single parent or I learn about their divorces or I learn about how they got fired from a job and why. And um, I've just felt so motivated in hearing these folks' stories and seeing like a complete picture of a person. I don't think you have a lot of opportunities to do that. Even with close friends that you may have in your life, you never like ask them to give you their life story chronologically, or that's, that's a rare ask of a friend. And um, I get to do that. And you start to piece everything together. And it's just absolutely fascinating. I've done some really cool searches for out-of-the-box companies and finding unicorns, if you will, in in different places. And that's just been so rewarding to find a person for a role that has maybe never existed in any other company ever. And um, trying to figure out that a person could do that job based on what they have done before is um, just incredibly fun. Yeah, well, there's no no doubt about your success thus far in the executive search world within the real estate industry. And I know the RC Elko team and our management consulting practice in particular is so excited to have you back. We feel very lucky to to have stolen you back away and, and brought you back in full in the circle. Um, you know, and it's funny just how circuitous sometimes life can be, as we mentioned, you know, the career path. And I think that's good advice for, for everyone as we head out here. It doesn't have to be linear. And uh, people like Ellen will find you when the fit is right, which is great news. So, so Ellen, I wanted to thank you for jumping on and, and joining us, being back with Arcielco, and most importantly, for being one of the best minds in real estate. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. This is great. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Conversations with the Best Minds in Real Estate, hosted by RCL Co. If you are interested in learning more about RCL Co., go to rclco.com and follow us on Twitter at RCL Co. Don't forget to subscribe to new episodes of the podcast and make sure to leave us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for tuning into the show.